Welcome to Epic, everybody. Glad that you're here today. By a raise of hands, how many of you took advantage of the extra hour and got an extra hour of sleep? All right, for the rest of you, I am so sorry. There's always next year. So uh, I told my kids and my wife early last night, good night, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to bed, so go ahead and worry about changing the clocks, and I'm going to bed early, taking advantage of it. So I am rested this morning. I probably feel the, the most rest that I've had in a long time. I actually, because of the little cooler weather, had a cup of coffee. I don't usually do that. So I am juiced this morning, all right? I hope that you are ready for this new series that we're starting. It's on the life of David, and I'm super excited about it. There's a lot that we can learn from the life of David. If you're new with us, my name is Trent, one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and we welcome you. So glad that you're visiting us today, and if you have any questions about us, feel free to stop by our Connection Center, as Chris said, before you leave today. But again, we're just so glad that you are with us. Now, if you are not familiar with David, let me tell you a little bit about him. David is a famous Old Testament Bible character, and he lived about 3,000 years ago. So about 1040 BC, before the life of Christ, is when David lived. And he lived in a little town called Bethlehem. Uh, You might recognize that as the little village that Jesus was born in. David was the youngest of seven brothers. He had seven older brothers, and they didn't always get along. And uh, David spent most of his childhood and teenage years as a shepherd. You know, like being the youngest, he probably drew the short straw around the family table and got the chore that nobody else wanted. And so David spent much of his time in the fields just watching sheep. And yet God took David from a little shepherd boy and made him the second king over Israel. So David had this really amazing, you know, rags to to riches kind of experience. And David distinguished himself as one of God's greatest Old Testament followers. In battle, he was courageous. In leadership, he was wise and humble. In friendship, he was loyal to the very end. And in devotion to God, he was passionately obedient. In general, David faithfully served God throughout his lifetime. But as we'll see in this series, David was anything but perfect. We'll actually watch in a few weeks as David makes some major decisions that really hurt him and his relationship with God and bring some major consequences upon him and his kingdom. And he watches his family unravel before his very eyes. And yet, even with all of that, he's still called a man after God's own heart. No one else in the Bible is called that. Amazing label. And it's something that we're going to explore together. Like, how could we be called something like that? What can we learn from David in his life, you know, even though we're not perfect? What can we learn from him so that we too can be people after God's own heart? So David really was an amazing man, and we're going to learn from his successes, and we're going to learn from his failures, and we might even learn a little bit more from his failures than some of his successes. Now, today we're going to meet David as a courageous teenager, and we're going to find out what made him famous through all of Israel. After what we learned today about him, he's going to be the talk of all of Israel. 
And we first meet David in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when he was anointed by a guy by the name of Samuel as the second king of Israel. That's, that's kind of where we first meet him in the Bible. And we're going to explore that more in detail next week. But what we need to know from today in chapter 16 is that David was the forgotten son So God said to this guy named Samuel, which was God's spokesperson in that time frame, God spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to find a man named Jesse. And then I want you to anoint one of his sons as the next king. I'll show you which son to anoint. So Samuel went to Bethlehem. He found Jesse. He said, hey, I need to see your sons. God's going to anoint one of them as the next king of Israel. He's going to choose one of them for that. And Jesse presented seven sons, his first seven sons. And uh, Samuel said, nope, 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 nope. And he had to ask Jesse, do you have any more? Like God said no to all of them. So do you have any more kids? And Jesse thought, you know, there's David, but he's the youngest. He's out watching sheep. Basically, he's a nobody like you wouldn't want him. And we're going to see today that God loves to take nobodies and make them somebodies, especially when those nobodies love God and want to put God first in their lives. Now, We're going to jump over to chapter 17. And in chapter 17, we learn that the nation of Israel, led by King Saul at the time, the first king of the nation of Israel, they were about to go into battle against another nation. Their their greatest enemy at that time were the Philistines. That was their their greatest threat, kind kind of common enemy that they had during the time of David. So they're about to go into battle, the the Israelites and the Philistines. And what we're going to read about today is one of the greatest battles, one of the the most famous battles described in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It's actually my favorite Bible stories. My favorite Bible story as a kid and my favorite Bible story, Old Testament Bible story even today. And we're going to look at the battle, not between two nations, but we're going to look at the battle between two men. As David and Goliath. So if you've ever heard that story, if you've even heard that reference, this is the story that we're going to look at today. Now, this famous battle took place in a valley called Elah. And the Israelites were set up on one side of the valley. The Philistines were set up on the other side of the valley. And this valley of Elah stood between them. And Verse four of chapter 17 tells us a little bit more about this Philistine champion called Goliath. He was, get this, nine foot, nine inches tall. So a little bit bigger than I am, if you can imagine, on stage. So like twice my size. I mean, this guy was huge. Uh, I have, um, my cousin has a, a child, he's 14, and he's six foot six. Big kid. And I was talking to him recently, looking up, going, wow, you're big. And, and he looked down and said, yeah, wow, you're small. And, you know, I'm thinking, here he is, 14, still growing, uh, and yet Goliath was three feet, three inches taller than, than my, my cousin's kid. So Goliath was a, a big guy. Not only was he a big guy, he had been a warrior since he was a kid. You know, if you can imagine, you know, us having uh, somebody that big today, they would be probably drafted into the NBA out of middle school or something. So Goliath was the guy that you wanted on your side, 
especially in a fight. Well, for 40 days, Goliath came out and issued a challenge to the Israelites. And so here was his challenge. He would come out and, and it, it was kind of a demanding challenge. He would say, how about this? Instead of all of us fighting two nations against each other and all the bloodshed that would come with that, how about we come up with this strategy? It was, it was kind of a representative battle. How about you send out your best warrior I'll come out as the Philistines' best warrior. We'll have a one-on-one fight to the death. And whoever wins, the other nation has to become the winning nation's slaves. And the Philistines thought, great idea, great strategy. You go fight. We don't have to fight. We won't die. Our odds of losing are so low. I mean, there's just no chance we're going to lose. And the Israelites said, this is terrible, terrible. I mean, this is like, no way. We're petrified of this. Everybody in the Israelite camp, all the way up to the king, was afraid of Goliath's challenge here. King Saul was described in the Bible as being a foot or a head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. So he was the tallest guy. He was the biggest guy in Israel. That's part of why they made him their king. They saw him and he looked big, he looked tough, and they're like, pick him, he's big. Let's make him our king. And even he was afraid of Goliath. So everybody in the Israelite camp is going, like, this isn't good, not not a good setup here. So day after day, each nation would line up on their side of the valley. They would give their battle cries to, to show their bravery. And then Goliath would step out. The Israelite would, Israelites, all of them would wet their, their pants and they would run back to their tents in fear. I think they were just afraid of Goliath's challenge. Well, meanwhile, 10 miles away in the little village of Bethlehem, there was David, this little shepherd boy watching his father's sheep. He wasn't old enough to join the army, so he got to stay at home and do the chores. And one day, Uh, his dad said, hey, why don't you go check on your brothers? And so his dad gives him some bread and some cheese and some grain. Said, here's a care package. Take it to your brothers. Go see how they're doing. So he heads off to check on the battle. And he arrived at just the right time. So both nations are lined up on their side of the valley. There are battle cries from each side. And David probably thought, this is it. The battle is about to begin. So you probably weren't aware that David was a fan of Braveheart. (laughs) So now you know. Learn something every time you come to church. So I I didn't have any video clips of David and Goliath. So I thought, hey, Braveheart, the next best thing. So you get the idea. So David shows up. There's all these battle cries going on. He's thinking like, this is it. This is the moment. I'm sure his, his heart was beating through his chest. He'd never seen anything like this before. All he'd known is watching sheep. And, and now he's, he's on the edge of the most exciting thing that has probably happened in his life. This battle is a, about to begin. So the air was thick with battle adrenaline until Goliath stepped out. And 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24 says, as soon as the Israelite army saw Goliath, they began to run away in fright. So imagine what that must have been like for David, okay? So imagine if you are David and you're walking up to this scene and and you hear these battle cries and you think it's about on, it's about to happen. And then you see Goliath step out, he issues his challenge and you're probably wondering like, okay, so I don't know anything about this, but who's our guy? Who's gonna go out and fight him? 
I mean, this is exciting. This is great. What's about to happen? And then you watch all of your home team, your favorite guys, the guys you've been cheering for all of your life for, run and hide in fear. And here's young David going like, I don't get it. What's happening? Like, like don't we even have a warrior who's going to challenge this guy? Like, what is going on? So David was dumbfounded. Verse 26, David asks, asks some of the Israelite soldiers that was, were there, he said, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So here behind what he said, what he's also saying to the Israelites, the Israelite warriors, you bunch of cowards, aren't any of you gonna go fight him? You can imagine the warriors, the Israelite warriors listening to David are like, you just called us cowards. You just said, like, we're afraid to go fight him. It's true, but we don't like that you just said that. Like, that's not cool. And it got everybody upset, even David's brothers. And you, I'm sure you can imagine a little sibling tension here. So his oldest brother finds out what he's saying, and he gets angry, and he says, like, what are you doing around here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. So basically, why don't you just go home? You don't belong here. And no one was really happy to see David. Well, with all that commotion going on, it got the attention of King Saul. So King Saul sent for David. David goes and sees King Saul. In verse 32, David says, hey, king, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. And get the idea, you got this shepherd boy going to this giant of a man himself, King Saul, who's afraid to go fight Goliath, and this young boy is saying, I'll go do it. You're afraid to do it, but I'm not. I'll go do it. And Saul replied, like, don't be ridiculous. There is no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. So King Saul tried to talk some sense into David. He tried to bring him back to reality. He tried to talk him out of fighting Goliath. And on a personal level, sometimes well-meaning people try to do that with us as well. Sometimes well-meaning people come along and, and tell us, like, there's no way that you could defeat that giant that stands against you. So Saul said to David, there is just no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And sometimes in our lives, well-meaning people come along and say some things that hold us back from standing against the giants that stand against us. And I wonder in your life, what are people saying to you? Or what have people said to you that's kept you from moving forward? That's kept you from facing a giant that's standing against you? Maybe what are you believing from them? Like, what have you told yourself after a while? Like, yeah, I guess they're right. I guess I can't defeat this giant. I'm just too whatever. Maybe they're saying there's no way that you can keep this marriage together. You're just one person. Or maybe they're saying, there's no way that you can beat this medical report. You're just too sick. Or maybe there's no way you can pay off that debt. That debt is just too big. You'll never make enough money. 
There's no way that you can serve God. You've messed up your life way too much. Just not possible. Just stay where you are. There's just no way you can defeat this addiction. It's too strong and you are too weak. So what are people saying about you that's holding you back from facing a giant that's standing against you? I am so glad that David didn't listen to Saul. I'm so glad that David didn't say, Saul, thank you. Like, what was I thinking? You know what? I'm, here I am, a shepherd boy. Like, what was I thinking? Like, go fight Goliath. That's ridiculous. I get it. Yeah, you're right. I'm so glad he didn't listen to Saul. But here's what he said in verse 34. David persisted and he said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. So not just lion, a lion, not just a bear. That would be impressive enough but lions and bears. And he says, I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So David has this incredible God perspective and he's already giving God the glory. He's already giving God the credit for this battle before it's even begun. And so I wonder for for you and me, Do we have that kind of perspective when that giant or that Goliath stands in front of us? When those financial troubles come, when that bad medical report is given, when that relational turmoil rises, or when that job stress hits, do you have that that confidence in God that David had, that no matter what the giant is that stands against you, with God on your side, you can defeat it. Or do you run and hide in fear? Does it get so overwhelming that you're just afraid? And I have to admit there are moments that I'm just like David. There are moments that I have this incredible confidence in God. Like I just know that God can defeat any giant that stands against me. And then there are other moments, probably too many, if I really wanted to be honest about it. Too many moments where I'm afraid. Too many moments where I'm discouraged. Too many moments where I think it's just not possible. That giant is just too big. And I go and kind of run. And I hide in fear. And when I am saying that, when you are saying that in those moments that you might say that, this is what we're saying to God. And it's kind of interesting when we think about what other people have said to us and we think about what Saul has said to David, we in turn say to God and say, God, you know what? I know you've fought lions and bears in your life. I know you've done some great things. I know you sent Jesus to die so that we can live. I know you defeated this, the curse of sin and death on this world and created this place called heaven for all of us to, to spend an eternity with you for those who put our faith in, in you. And that's great and all, but this giant that stands against me is bigger than you are. This stress in my world, this financial issue, this relational issue, this health issue is too big. It's too big for you and your power. It's just too strong. You're not gonna be able to possibly win. And in those moments, we all just kind of 
run for our tents and hide in fear of this giant that stands before us. You know, I think in this amazing story, there's only one person that has the right perspective, and it's a teenager. You see that? You've got a teenager. I'm, we're not sure how old David was in this moment. He's probably around 15 or so. So we've got this teenager that has the right perspective. And so if you're a teenager here this morning, or if you know a teenager, I think you should tell them this. I think you should encourage them with this information. Because sometimes teenagers might be the only ones with the right God perspective. I mean, it's possible. We've got this beautiful example here in scripture of David doing this. Sometimes a teenager might be the, the only one who's more focused on what God can do than what that giant can do. Sometimes teenagers are the only ones who aren't running in fear. The only ones ready to do the right thing in a very difficult moment. I think that's why the Apostle Paul wrote to a young leader named Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He said, Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Basically, don't think less of yourself as well because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And sometimes we discount teenagers and young adults as if they don't have what it takes, as if maybe they just haven't lived long enough. You know, like, you know, if, if they were wise, like the rest of us, they would run and hide the way that we've learned to. When giants come along, you can't possibly defeat that giant. You're just too young. So teenagers, young adults, don't do that. Don't believe that. Don't stop believing that your God is bigger than any giant that could ever stand against you. And don't give in to the fears of other people around you. Keep your eyes focused on God and his power and how strong he is compared to the weakness of your giant that you're facing. That's what David did. That's what all of us need to do. Teenager, young adult, older adult, doesn't matter. That's what God calls all of us to do. So after much persuasion, King Saul finally let David go fight Goliath. And remember what's at stake here. If they lose, if David loses, if David gets beat in this battle, which most likely this would happen, then they would become the slaves of the Philistines. But the reality for those men on that battlefield is that they would die. The Philistines would kill them. Who would be their slaves? Their wives and their children. They might even kill all of their young boys so their young boys wouldn't grow up and retaliate against the Philistines. So most likely, if they would lose, they would lose their lives that day. So if you were sitting on the hillside, you know, let's say you and I are just kind of camped out on the hillside watching this, you know, kind of like the big football game that you might be watching later. Hey, we're just sitting here taking bets. Like, who, who do you think is going to win? Who would you bet on? I mean, most likely, we would bet on Goliath. He was the natural choice. I mean, he's the guy who's been in battle most of his life. He's the guy that has all the, the military weapons at his disposal. And what does David have? A stick and a sling. We would be foolish to bet on David. But despite the odds against him, in verse 40, David picked up five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. 
Goliath walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Now listen to David's response. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will, give, will conquer you and I will, cut, I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So again, an incredible perspective from this shepherd boy. And he had this incredible confidence in God despite the circumstances. So verse 48 says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. And I just love that verse. David didn't step back and go, well, let me let him make the first move. No, David said, I'm going in. I'm going to strike first. He's not striking first. I'm going in with the confidence of God and I'm going to defeat this guy. And so he charged at Goliath, this giant standing in front of him. Verse 49 says, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. He used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Whoever said the Bible was boring? I mean, guys, this is like rated R Hollywood movie right there, gore and all. You should read your Bibles. There's some amazing stories in there. All right, so what's the application for us? What can we learn from this story and how can we apply it to our lives? First thing, we all face giants. I don't know what giant is standing against you today. I don't know what it is, but we all face giants. There's probably a giant in your life right now. And if there isn't, then most likely there'll be one tomorrow or next week or next month. Um, it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Aren't you glad we don't just like close in prayer and go home? So we all face giants. There's a giant in all of our lives at some point or another. Your giant might be a person at home, might be someone at work, someone at school. Your giant might be a relationship that's falling apart, a situation you don't know how to resolve, a bad medical report that you have, a job that you can't stand, a bad credit rating, an addiction you can't get over, a wrong that's been done to you, a wrong that you've done to someone else, whatever. We all have giants that stand against us. And that giant has the ability to paralyze us. That giant has the ability to cause us to stay frozen in life. We get so afraid. We get so confused. Like, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. And so in fear, we don't do anything. We just stay in one spot, like the Israelites, shaking in our tents, not knowing what to do, paralyzed with fear. But one day could change everything. One decision 
could change everything. One person could change everything. You may not know what to do, but you know you need to do something. As we face giants, we know, like, I've got to do something. I don't know what to do. I've got to move. I've got to move in a direction. I've got to get out of this slump that I'm in. And here's where our second application comes in. We all face giants, but every giant we face is beatable. Every giant that you face in your life is beatable. There's no giant out there that can defeat your God. It's just not possible. Your God is way too strong. And with God's help, you can defeat any giant that ever stands against you. No addiction is too strong, no relationship too broken, no sin too unforgivable, no financial problem too severe, no health issue beyond God's healing power. There is nothing that can ultimately stand against you as a child of God if you are one of those. But do you believe that? Do you believe that God is bigger than your giant? Do you have David's perspective? Do you see with confidence the way that David saw this this battle playing out, that his God could defeat Goliath and empower him to do that? In just a moment, our worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna close us out with a song. And this song reminds us that God can make us brave as we face anything that stands against us those things that make us fearful, those giants that stand in our way. And as we sing that song, I really encourage you to determine what, what is the one thing that you need to do as a result of today's message. Maybe you're facing a giant right now. Maybe there's a giant standing in front of you this week and you know you've got to do something. You know you have to move, but what is it? What is that thing? What is that one thing that maybe you need to do today? Your giant won't go away on its own. You have to face your giant in order to defeat your giant. So what do you need to do? Do you need to admit to someone that you have a problem? Do you need to get help for an addiction? Do you need to confess a sin to God or confess a sin to someone else? Do you need to see a doctor or see another doctor? Do you need to confront a situation that is wrong? Do you need to forgive someone for the hurt that they've caused? Do you need to ask someone to forgive you for the hurt that you've caused? Do you need to come to God and say, God, like I have just been so afraid and I've allowed that to make me paralyzed, but today I'm gonna move. I'm gonna take a step in in the right direction. I ask you to give me the confidence I need to go face this giant that's standing in front of me. What, What do you need to do to face your giant? Again, you have to face your giant in order to defeat your giant. So determine whatever you need to do, and I encourage you today to go and do it. Move towards that giant with the confidence that David had. And if right now you don't have a giant standing in front of you, I encourage you to be like David for someone else. Be like David for someone who does have a giant standing in front of them. Encourage them. Be a resource to them. Stand beside them and say, you can do this. Remind them of how powerful our God is and how weak, really, that giant is. Be a David for somebody else. So let's close in prayer, and our worship team is going to come out. God, there are so many things in life that can make us afraid. So many giants that can stand against us in our lives. And Lord, I'm so grateful for stories like this in the Bible. So grateful for these 
these amazing stories where you've got this, this, these crazy odds. You've got this young shepherd boy going up against a man of war, a guy probably more than twice his size, and it, where we go, it's just not possible for that to happen. It's just not possible. We would be like King Saul saying to David, it's just not possible for him to win. And yet, God, you see things differently than, than we do. You know that you're stronger than any giant that could ever stand against us. And when we put our trust in you and you alone, you can give us the strength that we need. You can make us brave enough to to face these giants and to defeat them in your strength. And Lord, I I pray for all of us here today. Like I know a number of people have a giant standing in front of them and it's caused them to live in fear. It's paralyzed them. They don't know what to do. They retreat and hide in their tent. And yet today, Lord, I think that you're asking them to be like David, to step forward with confidence, not, not in our ability. David didn't have confidence in his own ability. He had confidence in you, God, in your ability. So Lord, I pray that you would help all of us determine one thing that we need to do today as a result of this story, that we would step forward We'd be like David and we wouldn't cautiously try to calculate how are we going to let this giant make the first move so we can counterattack, but we would be like David and say, we're charging this giant with God's strength. God can defeat it and we're going to move forward. So Lord, help us to be courageous. Help us to be brave as we face those things that challenge our faith in you. Lord, help us to to have the strength and the perspective that David had in this amazing story. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen. You know, what a great video. And, And it was actually our first all kids baptism here at Epic. So that's just so awesome. You know, because God says, if you don't have faith like a child, you'll never enter in the kingdom of God. You know, so it's just so exciting to see kids put their faith in Jesus. You know, that decision will help guide them for the rest of their lives. So let's remember to be in prayer for those kids as they grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Seppi, and I'm just going to go through a couple quick announcements for you before we start our service this morning. Uh, First of all, if you're new with us here at Epic, uh, welcome. Glad that you're here. I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center on the way out, and that's located in the back corner over there. We'd love to meet you personally or just maybe answer any questions that you may have. If you're not new and you've been coming to Epic for a while, you call Epic home, and you've made the decision to partner with us through giving, remember there's two ways you can do that. You can visit our website, theepicchurch.com, And you can click on the giving tab and you can donate electronically. Or at the end of our seating sections, we've got some tables laid out and we've got some giving boxes on top of the tables and you can utilize those as well. So I know everybody experienced a little bit of a temperature change this uh, this, uh, weekend. And uh, that means that winter is upon us and the holiday season is fast approaching. And this holiday season, we want to do something that we've done the last couple of years and we want to set up what we uh, call our epic giving tree. So... um, we want to help out some friends or family or coworkers here in the community that may be in need of either food or Christmas gifts during the holiday season. So around Thanksgiving, you'll see a tree located in the back corner there by the Connection Center. And that tree is going to have a bunch of cards on it. Those cards will list out specific needs for um, some of the people that, in our community. 
So what you'll be able to do is browse over to that tree and look at whatever need and choose a need that you maybe feel like you want to meet. Now, I just want to throw this out there. Right now, we're in the referral process. And the only people that are going to know who that family is in need is going to be you, the person making the referral, and the giving tree coordinator. So just two people, you being one of them. So if you're a little hesitant because you're like, I don't want to throw their name out there, but I know they're going through a tough time and their kids can probably use some Christmas presents, it's anonymous for the most part, other than you, the person giving the referral, and the Epic Tree coordinator. So I encourage you to visit our website, theepicchurch.com, and click on the giving tree. Make your referral by November the 7th. We need, we need it done by then so we can go ahead and uh, get everything set up and then get the tree squared away, and it'll be up around Thanksgiving time. So I just want to pray for our service real quick, and we'll get started. So if you can bow your heads with me, please. So God, I just thank you for today. We thank you so much for getting everybody here safe, Lord. And uh, you know what? We thank you for the extra hour of sleep. I mean, sleep is good, and, and uh, hopefully everybody feels as well-rested as I do. So Lord, I just pray for our service. I pray for Trent today, Lord, that you would just use him as a vehicle to express the message that you want to get across to everybody today, Lord. I pray that you would soften the hearts and minds of everybody listening, Lord, as there's so many great lessons to learn about David, a man after your own heart. So God, I pray for the kids in the back that they're just having a blast back there, Lord, as they learn about you. So I pray for everybody in this building, and Lord, I pray this in your powerful name. Amen.